Amen. Good evening. I'd like to welcome everybody to Cap City Church uh, Revival Night 2. Uh, we are so glad that you are here with us. Uh, and just if you were here last night, I'm, I'm going to repeat myself. Um, but we just, we just invite you to worship freely this evening. Whether that means you got to stand or sit, whatever that may be. Uh, we just, we want you comfortable. We want you to just open your heart to whatever God has for you this evening. We had a great first night, and I anticipate that we're going to have a great second night as well. If you will, just bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father God, we just welcome you into this place tonight. God, we long for your presence here. God, I pray that in these moments, just every, every word, every prayer, every song that comes from this platform this evening would just be testaments of our faith in you, Lord, that it would glorify your heart. God, that we would be obedient to your word this evening, that we may be changed by it, God, renewed by it, that we may leave here different than when we came in. God, we just want to know you. We long for your way in our life, and in your name we pray, amen.
throne of grace Majesty before my eyes Let it take my breath away A million angels fall Face down on the floor All to echo
Build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. We're your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. It's your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. We're your church, build your church, build your
everyone again just for being here this evening. Now we're going to sing just one more song together tonight. And um, I just kind of wanted to talk about it first. I, so this is actually, this is a song that's been around for a few, um, but it's new to me. I learned it this year, like two months ago. Um, and it, it's by Cody Carnes, and I didn't really know Cody Carnes other than he's married to Carrie Job, and she helps keep him employed. Um, that's not true. That's mean. Um, but um, I didn't know much about him. And I heard this song, like I said, a couple months ago. And, you know, I played it. I'm like, oh, that's a cool song. It's got a really cool, like, 80s piano riff. And as I was running through it earlier today, it, it just kind of hit me. This song, it, it truly is just a prayer. That when we have nowhere else to turn, nowhere else to run to, we can run to our Father. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that, like, you run to the Father and right away all your problems are going to go away. In some ways, you know, they might be, be a little bit difficult, but He can take some of the most broken things and turn them into the most beautiful things. And I don't know the room tonight. I don't know, I don't know where you're all at. But I encourage you tonight. I, I, I want to open the altar this last song. If you feel like you need to pray. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you're broken, if there is something that is just weighing you down, I encourage you tonight to just lay it down. You don't have to carry it yourself. 
And if nothing else, just, just listen to the words. And I pray that it speaks into your life tonight. Stop. 
Colton, thank you for singing that song tonight. That's, that's the first time I've ever heard that song, as far as I know. And uh, I couldn't help but think of Jesus. I about changed my whole message. Listen to it. I couldn't help but think of Jesus telling the story of the prodigal son coming home. Colton said, no matter what your situation is, no matter what you're dealing with, he also said that just because you do run to the Father doesn't mean all your problems immediately disappear. I couldn't help but think that that Father that, that Jesus portrayed in that story continued to look in the direction of that far country every day. And even though his son had ran far from the father's direction, the father's eyes never left the direction of the son. And when he came home, I know what my dad would have said. He'd have said, boy, go take a shower, clean yourself up. You smell like pig slop, right? You're dirty. Clothes are all messed up. That's what your father would have said, too. But aren't you glad that we have a heavenly father that celebrates us every time that we come back to him? What a blessing. What a song. Colton, thank you. Hey, wasn't this worship team, hadn't they been amazing tonight, last night? Absolutely incredible. Jonathan, outstanding job putting uh, all of this together, and I know you've had a lot of great help. We've had an incredible day here. Um, I've been here since 8.30 this morning, and uh, I, I did find out that Ponderosa still exists in the world. Uh, and I got to admit, we sang there's a miracle in the works. And to me, to see those chicken wings once again in my life, I did not think I was going to see those until we got to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And to see those and to celebrate those today with, uh, with Jonathan and Wesley and Luke, we just had a wonderful time. And we had a great day out there uh, hanging out for just a few minutes. Then we came, came back and uh, I hung out here with Jacob and we took a class together, which was fun. We spent in the in the same room uh, three hours together on a class through Mount Vernon University, and we had a great time with that as well. And this morning we did a discipleship training, and uh, we had 12 of us in that room together today. And I want you to know, Cap City, you are in great hands with some incredible leaders. I want you to know that. And uh, amen. And uh, I fully believe that when I leave here tonight and I head north up 71, and as I begin to pray uh, that God continues to do amazing things at Cap City, I cannot wait to hear the great stories that come out of Cap City, what's taking place here in the new near future. And I'm excited about that. Would you take your Bibles and turn uh, to the Old Testament with me tonight? We're going to look at one passage of Scripture. And this passage of Scripture uh, is probably one of the most uh, famous, um, popular revival scriptures that we know. And the reason it is so uh, popular and the reason that it's so important is because in this, God gives us 
a prescription for revival. Did you know that? That God lays a game plan out for revival. Take your Bibles, take your tablets, cell phones, whatever device you may be using tonight. Turn to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. We're going to look at those here in just a moment. But real quickly, let me give you a quick overview of 2 Chronicles. In chapter 5, King Solomon dedicated the temple. In chapter 6, following that great outpouring of God in the temple, Solomon speaks a blessing over the people. He prays over them in a sincere and a powerful, moving prayer that, that takes up almost that entire chapter. And then in chapter 7, we see that God hears Solomon's prayer. And in chapter 7, we see God's response to that prayer. The first part of the response given by God comes in the form of fire, the same that was seen with Moses and in the wilderness, the, the tabernacle a few centuries earlier. And just like before, an outpouring of God's power and presence filled God's people. Then God speaks once again. The Lord appears to King Solomon to give him divine wisdom to give him divine counsel, to give him divine direction. And what God was about to say to Solomon is way more important than just advice. It truly contains a life-changing and history-making promise with eternal impact. And he says these words. Let's look at them together. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, verse 12, Chapter 7, 2 Chronicles. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. Aren't you glad that we have a God in heaven who hears and answers prayers? I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Tonight I want to ask you one question. What if my people. Let's pray together. Father, help us to hear from you tonight. Help us to hear your voice speak to our hearts, just like you did that night to King Solomon. God, open up our ears. Let us hear you tonight. Open up our hearts. Move us tonight. Transform us tonight. Open up our minds, Lord, that we may think clearly upon what you have for us today, tomorrow, and for all the days of our lives. God, revive us once again, we pray. Lord, thank you for your power and your presence that we have felt in this place these last two nights. 
God, I thank you for the continued text messages that I have received today of people that have been watching online, and it's been a blessing to them as well. Even though they might not be able to be here in person, God, we thank you and praise you for the technology to be able to spread the good news of Jesus Christ all around the world through technology. God, we thank you for it. Use that. Fill us with your Holy Spirit tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to remind you, just in case that you have forgotten, that Solomon was the coolest dude in the world. Okay? Let's be clear about that. All right? He rolled with royalty. There's no doubt about it. Right? He had all of the wisdom that you could ever dream or imagine. He had all the wealth. He had all the beach houses. He had all the condos. He had them from one coast to the next. He would build mansion after mansion. He had all the homes. He had all the ladies. Did you know that too? Right, wrong, or indifferent, men. He had all the ladies. So I call it the three or four W's, however you want to call it. He had wisdom. He had wealth. He had women. And he had accomplished great things. He worked really hard at everything that he did. But none of those things could bring revival. None of those things were what God had prescribed for revival. None of those things were what God had prescribed to to bring forgiveness, to bring healing. None of those things that were given here that that Solomon had achieved in all of his success, none of that could stop the plagues that were sweeping through the world. None of those could stop the trouble that the people were facing and the suffering and the judgment that was coming to his people. The only thing that could stop those things and revive the land was the things prescripted by God himself. None of these things are any of God's requirement for revival. None of these things can can bring healing to a nation, not wisdom, not wealth, or not all of our great works. None of these things can cause God to open up the heavens and pour out his spirit upon his people. God gives very specific instructions here. For revival to take place, for revival to sweep the land, he gives a four-step plan to revival. And this proclamation from God is conditional. Make no mistake about it. It is conditional. He gives his word. He makes an oath. He gives a pledge. He gives a guarantee. And he makes it clear. Anytime... Look at the person beside you and say, anytime. Go ahead, tell them right now. Anytime. If you're watching online, just go ahead and drop it in the comments. Right now, just say, anytime. Anytime my people do this, I will hear them. I will forgive them. I will heal their land. Listen to me, church. Every single time, God will do that. Every time. So let's walk through these four tonight. Number one, look at it. What if God's people will humble themselves? What if God's people will humble themselves? Pride is the enemy of the servant of Jehovah. 
pride and arrogance are the enemy of each and, and every one of us. And I want to be crystal clear tonight. God does not humble us. We have to humble ourselves. He says that here, and guess what? It's reiterated in the book of James. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will do what? He will lift you up. God does not humble us. We must fall before him and humble ourselves. We must lay aside our pride, our personal preferences, our favorites, our arrogance. We must lay it aside. We must humble ourselves. Now, make no mistake about it. He will allow us to be humiliated. But he won't humble us. He will not humble us. He has told us, first and foremost, make no mistake, this is a divine order that he has laid out. And the first thing that you and I must do is we must humble ourselves before a holy and righteous God. We must humble ourselves. We must lay aside our arrogance. We must humble ourselves and fall before a holy and righteous God. If we really want God to revive us, if we really want God to forgive us, if we really want God to heal our land, we must humble ourselves. We don't need the politicians to do it. We need to do it. Notice what he says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Number two, look what he says. What if God's people, what if God's people will pray? Prayerlessness is a sin. Prayerlessness is a sin. The average Christian in America spends about eight minutes in prayer every single day. Eight minutes in prayer every single day. Every week, my cell phone sends me a data update, and it lets me know how much time I spend on my cell phone. Can I be crystal clear and honest and transparent with you? When I saw that and I thought about this, I asked the Lord, Lord, forgive me. I spend way more time on my cell phone than I ever do with you in prayer. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Now, I'm just guessing if I'm standing up here and you're sitting there or you're watching online, I'm assuming that, that I probably pray a little more than most of you would. I would assume that, right? That's a part of who I am and part of what I do. And I'm telling you that I'm standing before you ashamed of how much time that I spend in prayer. And yet, we ask God to revive us. And yet, we ask God to do something amazing in our churches. And yet, we ask God to save our family members and save our friends. Yet, how much time do we spend in time with him in prayer? When's the last time you spent time with the Father in prayer. If we really want God to revive us, if we really want God to forgive us, if we really want God to heal our land, church, we must pray. We must spend time in prayer. Number three, what if God's people 
will seek his face. Seek the face of God. Quit looking at men and women to solve our problems. Quit looking to social media and and Google. Let's start looking to God. Let's seek him. Let's seek out his, his face. You know, I was thinking about how to preach this and how to illustrate it. The best way that I can think about it is, is being a parent, right? My son's here tonight. He's my only son, and, and I'm awfully thankful for him. He's, he's over there. I won't make you clap and just do an awesome thing for him, and, and I won't make him wave or anything. But if you want to clap for him, that'd be really awesome. Uh, no, yeah, he's right over there. Man, I, I love him. Man, I, I, I love him. I always tell people that I, when, he, when I found out that Angela was pregnant and we found out it was a boy, I said, Lord, give him, give him his mom's hair <laughs> and his mom's teeth, is what I said. Because she is so, so beautiful. And, and he got them both. Lord blessed him with both of those. But I remember when Hudson was, was young and now he's, now he's, you know, he's got all these things going on, so he's busy, and he runs from one place to the next and one practice to the next. But I can remember I was ha- hanging out with Luke and Wesley today, and I was thinking about Hudson at that age, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, and that kind of thing, where, where he was just bouncing all over the place, and it was hard to keep up with him. You remember that, parents? You know what I'm talking about? Grandparents, now you're trying to do that as well. And, and so you're trying to there's these stages of, of parenting, right? It's like, I love my kid. Boy, I'm not sure I like my kid at all, right? I love my kid. Boy, I'm not sure that I love my kid. You know, I like my kid at all. All these things. And I remember he was bouncing around, and sometimes you just kind of had to say, Hudson, look at me. Hudson, right? I'd have to, I'd have to grab him just real gently, right? You say, well, you grabbed your child? Yeah, of course I grabbed my child. I say it's the same way you grab a baseball bat, right? Like a baby bird. You want to hold it tight enough that you won't hurt it, but you also want to hold it tight enough so it don't fly away, right? And so that's how you teach that. That's how you coach it. And I'd grab him and I'd say, Hudson, and I'm getting real serious, right? I'd say, look at me. Listen to me. You can't do that, buddy. You're going to get in trouble, right? Or Hudson, look at me. I love you, buddy. I don't have to do that to him anymore. I have to do it to my wife. She's the one running around. I got to grab her and say, hey, look at me, right? What am I trying to do? I'm trying to express how important it is to hear my words. And I think as we as Christians, if we get wrapped up in the busyness of this life, we're running all over the place. We're running from one thing to the next, and we're distracted all over the place. And God is saying to us, hey, just for a second, look in my direction. Look towards me. Isaiah 45, 52 says, Look to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. He's making it clear. Look in God's direction, face to face. Look at it. What if God's people will seek his face? This is about a passion. This is about like a dog panting for for a cool drink of water. How are you chasing after God. Get your eyes off the distractions of the world. If we really want God to revive us, if we really want God to forgive us, if we really want God to heal our land, we must seek his face. Number four, 
What if God's people will turn from their wicked ways? I know. It's going to get real quiet in here. Somebody online just jumped offline real fast. I want you to hear me tonight. We need a deep conviction about our sin. Let me say that again. I might say it a couple more times. You and I need a deep conviction about our sin. Not the sin outside of these walls. Not the sin that's running around High Street. Not the sin that is running around all of Columbus. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, and watch this, and turn from their wicked ways. My people, you and I, church, Christians, we need a deep conviction over our sin. Our sin should break our hearts because it breaks the heart of God. We need a deep conviction about our sin, and we need to come clean with God. He's talking to Christians. He says, my people, call by my name. Charles Finney is, is one of my all-time favorite pastors. He's one of my all-time favorite scholars and evangelists. And he said this about turning from our wicked ways. He said, revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to God in complete humility. You know when you can stop asking for forgiveness? When you stop sinning. If we really want God to revive us, if we really want God, listen church, to forgive us, if we really want God to, to heal our land, we must turn from our wicked ways. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive them and heal their land. Make no mistake about it. Revival is, is contagious. And it can all start with you. It can all start with me. It's contagious. Revival is contagious. And one of my favorite historic revivals to study is the Welsh Revival. It all took place in the little village called Cardigan. And I've read that it, it had so much impact on society that they even had to re-communicate the mules and horses because men weren't using curse words at them anymore. Can you imagine that? They had to re-communicate the mules and horses because men weren't using curse words at them anymore. What if? What if, my people? In that revival, it all started in an evening service. And the pastor had, had just asked if anyone would like to stand up and share what God had done in their life recently. Silence fell over the church. It became a bit awkward. He stood there and there was no response. He continued to look over the crowd. 
just like I am right now. No response. Still nothing. People then began to look to the sky, and people began to look down at their shoes and begin to kick against the chair or the pew in front of them. Yet the silence then was broken with the small footsteps over the wooden floor. Eyes immediately looked to see a young girl standing there named Flory Evans. And with a soft, humble voice, she said these words, If no one else will, then I must say that I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. And with those words, the floodgates opened. And Wales was going to experience one of the greatest revivals known in the history of the world. If no one else will, then I must say that I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of my heart. Make no mistake about it. Revival is contagious, and it can all start with you and with me. If no one else will, I will. If no one else will humble themselves, I will. If no one else will pray, I will. If no one else will seek the face of God, I will. If no one else, no one else will turn from their wicked ways, I will. Will you? Revival is contagious. No one else will. I, I will. I will humble myself. I will pray. I will seek God's face. I will turn from my wicked ways. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is found in Revelation chapter 3. I won't make you turn there tonight, but if you want to, you can flip over there real quick or Flip your cell phone over there, your tablet. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture to study. And it's very sad. It's a very sad passage of Scripture. Revelation 3 drops us into the middle of a lukewarm church. A lukewarm church, and there's a lot of interesting things that, that takes place in there. And there's a conversation between the church and Jesus, and he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would wish that you were cold or hot. Verse 16 says, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, listen to what they, they say. The church says, I am rich. The church says, I have become wealthy and we have no need of anything. But they don't know that they're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent." Here's the clincher. Jesus is speaking to this church. And in fact, I believe it's true now more so than it's ever been true. I believe the church in America looks a lot like the church of Laodicea. And the saddest thing about that church 
He says, as you study this and you look at this, Jesus is standing outside the church doors. And they have the nerve to yell outside the church doors at Jesus and say, we don't need anything. We've got everything that we need inside of these walls. Little did they know who they had forgotten. They had forgotten to bring the Lord into the church with them. Verse 20 says these famous words. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Now this is a general statement to the church. I understand that. But I want, you to, I want to be very clear with this. This is also a personal invitation to allow someone to open the doors and let Jesus in the church. If no one else will, I will humble myself. If no one else will, I will pray. If, if no one else will seek your face, no one else will turn from their wicked ways. Lord, I will. Lord, I will. If no one else, Lord, will open the doors to you into the church, I will. It's a general statement, but it's also a personal statement. You know why it's personal? Because Jesus is knocking on the door of each and every one of our hearts. Will we open the door? Or will we check the ring? Will we check the ring and look at the video and see who's standing out and feel a little ashamed and yell back, Oh, we're good. We have everything that we need in here. Will you open up your heart's door to the Lord tonight? Maybe he's told you to humble yourself. Maybe he's told you it's been too long. You haven't spent any time with me in prayer. Maybe he's speaking to your heart right now and saying that, that it, is, it is time to seek my face once again. It's time to pursue after me and to chase after me and serve me with all of your heart. Maybe he's speaking to you and telling you you need to turn from your wicked ways. Ask him to forgive you. Maybe. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're watching online. You've never opened your heart's door to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Tonight would be a wonderful night to do that. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves would pray, would seek my face, would turn from their wicked ways. What if? I ask you tonight, what if? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we would open our hearts to you right now. I pray that you would sweep 
through our hearts, our minds, and our souls and revive us. Let it begin with us tonight. Lord, let there be people in this building, people watching online that would say, if no one else will, I will. I will humble myself. I will pray. I will seek your face, Lord. I will turn from my wicked ways. I will open my heart to you, Jesus, right now. Will you? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around in the choir of this room, I'd ask you to examine your heart, mind, and soul right now. Will you? Moms, will you? Dads, will you? Leadership, will you? Small group leader, will you? Student ministry leader, will you? What if? What if? What if you humble yourself? What if you, you pray? What if you seek God's face? What if you, you turn from your wicked ways? I can give you the answer. God will hear you. God will forgive you, and, and I believe that miracles will happen, and God will bring healing. Do you? Do you truly believe that? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed right now in the quiet of this moment. I believe that the Lord is speaking to people in this room right now. I believe he's speaking to those watching. Colton, I'm going to ask that you would come and begin to play softly. We're going to go into a time of, of prayer. If my people called by my name. What's he speaking to your heart tonight? As Colton begins to play, I'm just going to ask that we would all stand. And as the Lord leads, I'm going to invite you to come and pray at this altar. I'm going to pray that, that you, would, you would put a stake in the ground tonight. You would, say, you would say in your heart, mind, and soul, by your actions tonight, if no one else will, I will. I love that old hymn. You remember we used to sing it? Though none go with me, still I would follow. No turning back. No turning back. I'd ask that you would listen to the words of the Holy Spirit. I'd ask that you would hearken, you would stop, not allow any distractions into what God is speaking right now and just be simply obedient to what he's telling you to do. Would you come? Would you pray? Would you come? Would you humble yourself? Would you come and seek God's face tonight? Would you come and, and turn from your wicked ways? Would you come and give your life to Jesus as he plays? I invite you to come to this altar tonight.
soul needs a friend So I run to the Father again and again and again and again I think uh, Pastor Jim did a great job know if no one else will I will but I would say this here's the purpose of the church it's a lot easier with a friend yeah I mean find a friend who who's on the same page find a friend who will do it with you and you can keep each other accountable you can work together but if no one else will be committed to doing it um, we want to say thank you to Pastor Jim uh, you may be seated uh, but we want to say thank you to Pastor Jim. He did a great job. Thank you to the worship team and all the guests, musicians, and singers. Um, Angela loved hearing you sing. That is Jim's wife, in case you guys didn't know. She did a great job. It was great having everybody here. Um, and so it was a real joy to kind of worship with friends that you haven't seen in a while. Um, my name is Pastor Jacob. I'm the executive pastor here at Capital City Church. Um, we're excited to report that we're doing more baptisms tomorrow. And so uh, that's two weeks in a row, um, and we're doing one tomorrow, so if anybody wants to be baptized, we'll throw you in the water tomorrow too, all right? And so, uh, but we're looking forward to that. We also are going to wrap up this revival weekend um, with uh, Pastor Deborah Charles. She's going to be here, and I told Jim, she prayed over Pastor Jim in the back, and I said, man, I wish I could be preaching right after that prayer. And so uh, if her preaching is anything like her prayer, uh, it's going to be a powerhouse service tomorrow. And so we would encourage you to come back tomorrow at 1030 um, and join us for our normal Sunday morning worship. Uh, also, we want to let you know Pastor Jim is an author and he has his books with him here today. It's titled Miracles in Between. And uh, if you would like to pick one of those up, they're in the back. They're $15. But... Um, I'm looking forward to reading this. I already picked up my copy. Uh, but if you like Pastor Jim, I can only imagine his book is just as good as his speaking. And so I would get, encourage you to pick one of those up. Uh, if you, like I said, if you want to be a part of baptism or have a heart to, to be baptized, I would encourage you to meet with me. I would love to talk with you. We have several people slotted throughout the rest of the year. So we're going to have more baptisms throughout the year. But all in all, God is moving in and through this church. And uh, God, is, God is reviving each and every person step by step. And I love hearing the stories of how God is reviving this community. Um, one more announcement. We are also, uh, we have new merchandise that we are releasing um, for Capital City Church. And so if you want, there's order forms in the back. And you can sign up and get um, some new t-shirts and hoodies and hats and everything like that. But all in all, I am so excited for what God is doing here. So if you will, before you leave, uh, shake Jim's hand, introduce yourself, and give him one more big round of applause. Thank you. And I just want to leave you with what Jim said. If no one else will, I will. Make that commitment in your heart today. We're going to pray for you, and then we'll dismiss you. And dear Lord God, we thank you so much for all that you are and all that you continue to be in our lives and in this church. 
May we take this challenge home with us. May, may we take it into our communities, into our workplace, into our lives. And may we resolve, Lord God, that if no one else will follow you, if no one else will pray, if no one else will humble themselves, Lord God, we will. We will serve you and we will seek your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.